Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Welcome to everyone tonight. If you're guest with us tonight, we're glad to have you in this service. Thank you for being with us. If you are watching us online somewhere tonight, we welcome you as a part of this service as well and pray that you're blessed by it in Jesus' name. And uh, as Bishop mentioned Sunday night, they are uh, headed to uh, Jay, Florida to uh, minister this weekend. So uh, that's where Bishop and Mother Wright are. We give honor to them tonight in their absence. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated. I will read some verses in a moment, but I would like to start with some commentary first. You would please turn my iPad on the screen. I would appreciate that. I, the last has been very choppy, but the last several months that I have um, why am I not getting my double view here? Hmm. Pardon me a moment. Anybody know how to Anybody familiar with Keynote on the iPad? How do you get it to see two slides at the same time? Used to always do that. I don't like this. Oh, well. Um, the last couple of Thursday nights that I have taught, again, it's kind of been broken up, but I have... Uh, um, been dealing with identity and worth, and we're actually going to do some more of that in the fall as a part of Antioch U. In the last uh, week or so, there's a passage that came to mind, and I can't get away from it, and uh, I'm going to I'm going to talk about that here tonight, and perhaps the next time I teach on a Thursday night, which will be in a couple weeks, because I will be at the conference next week um, as well. Um, I, I realize, I know I say this, at least in my mind, I say this fairly regularly on a Thursday night. I realize on a Thursday night who we are, who we are. I realize that this is this is, and obviously in any given Thursday night service, not everybody that's a part of the church is here, not everybody that's a part of the core, but Thursday nights is as close to the core of Antioch as you get on a weekly basis. Sunday morning is the crowd, and then Sunday nights is, it narrows down a little bit, and then you are the man. Thank you very much. I'm to give a big hand for Brother Andrew Nielsen rescuing me. Um, so on Thursday nights, I, I realize we are the committed, dedicated people. 
I remind you, and I'm about to use some verses from one of them here tonight, I remind you that the epistles were letters written to the church or to saved people. Hello. So therefore, when you read some of the things Paul was talking about, particularly issues he was addressing, he was, he was addressing those issues to the saved folks, to the church, to the saints. And, and, and I know, believe me, I know we like soaring with the angels. But the Bible does not say Enoch was not because he soared with the angels. The Bible said Enoch was not because he walked with God. We like the sensational, it's exciting, it's wonderful. I like Youth Congress. We can't live at Youth Congress. Youth Congress was awesome. It was phenomenal. It was, again, to be in an arena with 18,000 people worshiping, praising God, when you've got uh, uh, musicians there that are some of the best musicians in our organization and singers there, I mean, that, that, that's great, but we can't live there. We can't even live here on Thursday. That's not, we got to know how to walk. And, and I'm afraid, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm a lot more comfortable and confident with who I am and my calling and my role and accepting the fact I'm not the one that gets to do the fun stuff most of the time. It's the others that get to fill in that, you know, get to do all the fun stuff. And so I, I accept my calling. Doesn't mean I always like what I'm supposed to do, but I, I, I am, I am, uh, I am, Maybe I'll use the word burdened in my spirit. And that we, we've got to make sure we do not give in to the spirit of this age. So, I, I had this thought the other day. We've got a world that wants a Lamborghini salvation for a Ford Focus price. We want all the good stuff, but we don't want to pay the price for it. And the real, I'm just going to, if you haven't gotten it yet, I'll just make it real clear. I'm in pastoral mode tonight. The problem is it's not just other branches of Christianity that's struggling now. It's now in apostolic ranks where we want to cheapen the price. See, we're, we're living in this world of Marshalls and TJ Maxx and Ross, Burlington, K&G, Nordstrom Rack, where we want name brand for a real cheap price. Outlets everywhere, although I've pretty much come to the conclusion for myself, outlets are a scam. They are a scam. I walked into Ralph Lauren outlet on vacation with a little bit of anticipation and excitement that I might get something. And when I saw prices, I'm like, this, this, forget it. Forget it. It's ridiculous. 
But that's, we, we live in a world, there, there, there's not, I, there's a whole, I, I don't want to embarrass some of you, because this may embarrass a few of you, only a few, the rest of you, I'm, I, I know we're in the same boat. So to those of you that may, this may embarrass, I, I give you my apologies in advance. But, but I, there, there's a whole, there's a whole, there's all kind of name brands and whatever I, I never even heard of. What is that? What the Avenue of the Americas? Is that what it's called, or what's it called in in New York? I'm walking down this street in New York, man, where there's all these stores that I mean, they're all high and mighty. I'm like, never heard of that. Never heard of that. I do. I have heard of Tommy Hilfiger, but apparently that's the low end of the high end. I mean, <laughs> we we want the good stuff, but we we don't want to pay full price. I told you all before, and if you feel the need to pray for me after this, it hasn't changed since the last time I said it, so maybe your prayers will be the one that changes. I, my, uh, Angie, does, she could care less about name brand, and she could care less. I, I'm a blessed man, you know that? To have a wife that could care less about name brand stuff, is happy to shop at a consignment shop, that, that's, a, that's a gift from heaven. Lord, help us. I, I, we are opposites. I have always been attracted to name brand. I have always wanted name brand. And my, I don't have anything on right now name brand. Nothing nothing name brand. This came from K&G for probably 80-something bucks or less, more than likely. And, I mean, I, my shoes came from DSW because that's, you know... DSW for a lot of reasons, good prices, but it's kind of hard to not shop at some place that has your initials, you know. So, <laughs> they were talking about David Wright, New York or Mets third baseman, the other day, and all. It's kind of neat sitting there, you know, listening, call your name on the radio. It's one thing to imagine what it would be like. It's another thing when they're actually calling your name and. So, yeah, Brian Roberts, you know about that, don't you? <laughs> we, we want the real without the price of the real. So we got a bunch of folks, and it's not just out there anymore, who want salvation, but don't want to pay for it. They want everything... All the benefits of salvation. See, the saying, I have no idea who said it first, but the saying is, salvation is free, but it will cost you everything. And we, we, I'm burdened because again, it's not just out there anymore. But it's creeping into the church and it's creeping into this church that we got folks that want all the good stuff. They just want it for a real cheap price. I, I'm, I'm sorry, a few of you, I apologize for this. <laughs> I, I experienced it again firsthand this week. I don't know. I don't know, you know, we all, there, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that it really kind of boils down to your personal convictions. 
There's a lot of things that, I, that, that are black and white. They're clear. It's not a, it's your, your personal convictions or opinions aren't worth a hoot. There are some other areas that you've got to work out your own salvation. Now, I may not get much more excited than this tonight, so I, I'll try. I will try, but I may not. So there are some things that it's, you know, and, and you've got to be careful when you judge other people who don't have the same personal conviction you have. So I say all of that to say we probably have varying opinions on this. I have, my family and I, have gone to several Christian music concerts over the last number of years. We go for good, clean entertainment. I'm at least telling you why I go. I go for good, clean entertainment. I do not go to worship. I do not go to praise. And I have and I will continue, if I continue going, to sit down on my rear end in an arena of 10, 12, 15,000 people while everybody else is standing with their hands up praising Jesus. Because anybody can praise Jesus. And because if we don't, the rocks will. Worship's a whole different thing. So I, I'm, again, I go. I'm, I'm not trying to offend anybody on either side of this, whichever side of this you may fall. Since I am senior pastor and I'm telling you a little bit of my personal business, I'm giving you some context. And you are just way too cute and distracting. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Y'all just, you have to know what I'm talking about here. I mean. Sorry, I could stand here all night. So that's <laughs> entertainment. Enter, that's, that's, if you go for other reasons, if you don't go for other reasons, work it out. You and Jesus, work it out. If I just offended you, you and Jesus, work it out. <laughs> and I went to one this week. It was, it was, probably it was better for me to be there than I realized it was. Because it, it was like a cancer eating away at my spirit. When I walk around a place and everybody at a Christian music event is walking around with their beers and all that kind of stuff, when one of the singers tells everybody they're going to have a rock concert, when I, I, you got to admit, we, we, I'm just kind of talking here. I, I may do more than that in a minute. I'm just, I'm just I know, I know, I know, all y'all are too proud to think out loud, but I'm not. My flesh would love. All the benefits without the price. That's why I've tried a $15 Rolex and a $10 Gucci watch and $10 Fila's and... You don't know what Fila's are, do you? I 
in the day, Philas were to, don't I know I know it's twenty fifteen, but don't hate on me now. I I, I love I, that's why I'm there's a I don't know if it's somebody some of y'all may know. I went there one time. I was a teenager at a place called Itaewon in Seoul, Korea. I've also been to those markets in Philippines and Singapore where there's Coach and all these other name brand handbags, purses. I I bought a pair. I I, I like I like Puma. I, if y'all ever want to get me a Christmas present, a birthday present, I. I like Puma stuff. I don't know why I just like Puma stuff. I bought me a pair of Pumas overseas. I wore them like one time. After I wore them, no, actually those didn't fall apart. They just killed my feet so bad. I was done. They were real cheap though. See, see we, we, I mean, you, you got to admit, if, if there really is an eternity... If there really is a heaven or hell, that's, that's kind of important. <laughs> Why can somebody please, and not right now in this moment, it might not be too good for us to dialogue with each other right now, but can somebody please tell me why all we ever do is try to figure out how close to the edge we can live? How, how close can I get to sin and not sin? Why is there not something that drives us to, to make sure there's plenty of room? Does anybody besides me think there's something a little bit wrong with the fact that we're most concerned with how close I can get to the edge? And very quick to embrace somebody's doctrine that will give me an excuse to get closer to the edge. Not caring or knowing where they got it from. <laughs> Ask a bunch of these folks where they get all their information. <laughs> oh boy. About tithing not being biblical. Ask them. Let them tell you about all the articles they found online. Not about their Bible that they've spent hours and hours in by themselves in prayer. But stuff you can find anything online you want to find. I know some of y'all don't know this, and, and I, I shouldn't tell you, but you, you need to know. I, we, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking hyper, uh, hypothetically right now. I've had several people come to me, want to tell me tithing's not biblical anymore, and pull out all their printed out stuff off the internet. Do you know who that person is? Do you know their spirit? Do you know? How much time they spent in prayer to figure out what they believe. Do, do you know, you see the problem is, I ain't even gotten to the notes yet. The problem is, you better be careful with doctrines that are birthed out of offense. It's going to be a fireside chat because I feel a fire right now. I'll say that one again. You better be very careful with doctrines you follow and the people had them born out of offense. 
I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I'm at home tonight. If I'm not mistaken, I'm the senior pastor of this church. So I'm just going to, I'm going to be that. Don't take, oh Lord. Don't take but more than probably 30 seconds with just about every person that's ever come to us and told us tithing is no longer supposed to be the case anymore to quickly find where they got offended. Oh, Jesus. You don't have to listen to me if you don't want to. That's between you and God. All I know is, was it, which prophet was it? The Lord said, if you don't tell them, their blood's on your hands. If you do tell them, what they do about it's their problem. You, but you better tell them, so. Well, we, we know, we, Tithing, that's the common, we just don't get plain here. Tithing's a common one. Next one has to do with authority. Well, you don't need authority in your life. And you, without fail, you can, you, I don't mean spiritual discernment to feel it out. I mean bells and whistles. I, why would you follow, some, why would you let somebody... That, that, that you have no idea how much time they put in just, just the... You see, I, I don't need to get my answer from anywhere else. The Word is where I can get my answers. Itching ears. Itching ears. Find somebody to preach to me or tell me what I want to hear. I, 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 it's kind of interesting, you know, some of you all are familiar with the South, I had it happen again to me today, I, I, I just need to totally embrace it, yeah, where are you from? I'm, like, I'm from here, <laughs> Maryland, I was born, and I see that puzzled look I've seen before, well, my parents are from the South, my mom was from Mississippi, oh, your speech betrays you. <laughs> Why did I say all that? What was I saying? Somebody help anybody? You don't know. You weren't listening, huh? This, listen, y'all. If you don't know Lawrence, Lawrence, Lawrence has this, this, this. I guess God given. He provides you ammunition. He just provides you ammunition to give him a. And then his million-dollar smile just makes it so enjoyable. So I couldn't pass up the moment. Still don't know where I was. Uh, yeah, authority and Lamborghinis and Fords. And, uh, wow. Don't need authority. What? Accents, yeah, I was talking about accents, but I don't know what that had to do. Well, let's let's move on. I'll remember it after I now have embarrassed myself. Second Corinthians six fourteen. Man, where was I? 
Yeah. Oh, well. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye, I say that's me, ye are the temple of the living God. Let me, let me just, let me just, let me, let me insert this. All those that want to tell you now today that, that outward things and all of that don't matter to God, just please tell me when God changed his mind. Because when Moses was instructed to build a tabernacle, God was pretty specific about the tabernacle. He gave him the dimensions, he gave him the design, he gave them the materials, he gave him the colors, he told him the furniture. He did not tell Moses, I want some place to dwell, build me something. That's God's pattern. So in 2015, when somebody wants to say it doesn't matter, what you're saying is God had one plan for the first temple, but now for us as temples, somewhere He changed. Please show me in the Bible where He changed. Of course, what I can show you is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said. I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, because of that, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters saith the Lord Almighty, having therefore these promises. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I will not get there tonight. Hopefully the Lord willing, in a couple of weeks, He'll allow me to get to it and come back to it. So let me just quickly point out to you the beginning of verse number 1. What Paul is saying is, the promise of Him living in us and the promise of Him being a Father. That ought to be enough to motivate us to come out and be separate. I mean, we got to try to entice people with all kind of other stuff. Paul was saying... The, the invitation and the promise given to you, the, the promise that God will dwell in you. Well, what's the big deal about God dwelling in me? I don't know. Ask, ask um, what's his name that had the ark from David? <laughs> Mine went blank. Obed-Edom. Ask Obed-Edom what's the big deal about having the presence. When all of a sudden his house started to prosper and change and and, 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 and just because one thing, he got the presence. You get the presence of God in your life, things are gonna change. 
we, we, we have this, I mean, it's, it's, and it's another, it's another thing in our world today. And I'm convinced there's a lot of things in the natural that we don't realize the effect they're having on us in the spiritual. And, and now we're in this world with all these get, get healthy or get skinny or get built quick schemes. Nip it, tuck it, inject it, whatever. Take a pill. We, we want the results without the work. We want to be, we, we want to be an apostle Paul. We just don't want to pay the price Paul paid. We want to go into that third heaven Paul went into, let, as long as we can avoid shipwreck and perils and all that stuff. Having these promises, having these promises, forget all the additions of things and whatever. Paul's saying it ought to be enough to motivate you just to simply have the promise that he will dwell in you and he will be your father. I know most of us, you know, we, unless there's something I'm not aware of, no, there's nobody in here that has some great celebrity million billionaire, you know, father that you name drop. I, I, I got a, you know, in a, in a very small pond compared to all of that, I got a little bit of what it's like to have a dad that's that's known. At in Jamaica, I didn't see this. My wife saw this. I was, I don't know if I was just naive or what, but. We had introduced ourselves a couple times to different people and nobody really knew who or what I was. And then finally somebody understood or it came out who my dad was and suddenly all attention was drawn to me. Man, I love your dad. Hey, I do too. Cool. Been doing that for about 43 years. I know, and I, I know that, sorry, I know the temptation of name dropping. <laughs> that, there's something about who your daddy is. It ought to be pretty cool that he's my father. Tell me, tell me what price I may pay. That is a great price to have the exchange of him being my father. What, what is it I'm giving up? What is it I'm cheating at, cheated out of when I get him as my father in return? Message Bible, don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership, that's war. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that is exactly what we are. Each of us temple, a temple in whom God lives. God himself put it this way. I'll give them, I'll, I'll live in them, move into them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. So leave the corruption and compromise. Leave it for good, says God. Don't link up with those who will pollute you. I want you all for myself. 
I got to tell you, if I walked in to my, if I, if I checked in at a hotel and I went and opened up my room and the bed in there was a mess and somebody's luggage was already in there and I don't know who they are, I'm not staying. Why is it we expect God to occupy the hotel room of our life with other strangers? I'll live in them, move into them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. I'll be a father to you. You'll be sons and daughters to me, the word of the Master God. With promises like this to pull us on, dear friends, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. With promises like this, why try to have multiple occupants in my life? The word, the words unequally yoked together come basically from one Greek word, which means to yoke up differently, i.e. figuratively to associate discordantly, to come under an unequal or different yoke. So it's to be connected with somebody that you're not in common with. Things are not, you're not, you don't have the same values, the same beliefs. You're not going the same places. Do not be unequally yoked. Now, now I'm going to do something I really don't like to do, and I'm going to tell you why I'm going to do it. Because even some here tonight sit with a filter uh, well, you, you know, you, that just comes from the organization we're in. That just comes from this or that. So I, I want you to hear. I, I don't put all my stock in what commentaries have to say. I don't do that. I want to know for myself. But it does help sometimes to get a lot of other perspective and insight. And, and so I want you to hear some things tonight with regards to this passage from some non-apostolic people, okay? Because they say some things as strong, if not stronger, than some things I may say. So, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? Adam Clark says this. This is a military term. Keep in your, keep in your own ranks. Do not leave the Christian community to join in that of the pagans. The verb, hetero whatever, signifies, is, signifies, to leave one's own rank, place, or order and go into another. And here it must signify not only that they should not associate with the Gentiles in their idolatrous feast, but that they should not apostatize from Christianity. And the questions which follow show that there was a sort of fellowship that some of the Christians had had formed with the pagans, which, which was both wicked and absurd, and if not speedily checked, would infallibly lead to final apostasy. Some apply this exhortation to pious persons marrying with those who are not decidedly religious and converted to God. That the exhortation may be, the, may be thus applied, I grant, 
But it is certainly not the meaning of the apostle in this place. And that all my life, the primary application of that passage I have heard is when it comes to marriage. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And that's always used for marriage. And there is application there. As will be said here. But that's not the sole focus of what Paul was referring to. And I wonder how much of a, how many times or how much the impact of that verse has been missed on us as individuals because, well, I'm married to a saved person, so that don't apply to me. And we miss all of the other ways in which that principle can apply. A very wise and very holy man has given his judgment on this point. A man who is truly pious, marrying with an unconverted woman, will either draw back to perdition or have a cross during life. I'm going to tell you something right now, and I can tell you from lots of observation in my life, the, the individuals that, that successfully win their spouse is a very small percentage. And I have watched, I have watched with some that I had on a very high pedestal that a spouse apparently got saved long enough to get them. And once they got them, they were done. So you'll either draw back to perdition or have a cross during life. The same may be said of a pious woman marrying an unconverted man. Such persons cannot say this petition of the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. They plunge into it of their own accord. <laughs> that was really good since I didn't say it originally. I'll say it's really good and I'll read it again. Such persons cannot say this petition of the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. They plunge into it of their own accord. As righteousness cannot have communion with unrighteousness and light cannot dwell with darkness, so Christ can have no concord with Belial, nor can he that believeth have any with an infidel. All these points were self-evident. How then could they keep up the professing of Christianity or pretend to be under its influence while they associated with the unrighteousness, had com with the unrighteous, had communion with darkness and concord with Belial and partook of with infidel. Well, brother, right, aren't we supposed to reach a world? Hang on, I'll get there. Hmm. Barnes says this. It has been usually supposed by commentators to refer this path, this verse, particularly to marriage, but there is no reason for confining it to marriage. It doubtless includes that, but it may as well refer to any other intimate connection or to intimate friendships or to participation in their amusements and employments as to marriage. Meaning it applies to all of that in addition to. The radical idea is that they were to abstain from all connections with unbelievers, with infidels and pagans and those who were not Christians, which would identify them with them, or they were to have no connection with them in anything as unbelievers, pagans or infidels. They were to, they were to partake with them in nothing that was special to them as such. Meaning, they weren't supposed to be doing with the ungodly what is the ungodly stuff. There is a large field of action, pursuit, principle, and thought over which infidelity, sin, paganism, and the world as such have the entire control. 
It is wholly without the range of Christian law and stands opposed to Christian law. It pertains to a different kingdom, is conducted by different principles, and tends to destroy and annihilate the kingdom of Christ. This world doesn't have one kingdom. There's another kingdom besides the kingdom of God that operates under a whole different set of laws. And that primary law of that kingdom is lawlessness. It cannot be reconciled with Christian principles and cannot be conformed to but in an entire violation of the influence of religion. I can't, I can't balance the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness, I can't reconcile it with the kingdom of God. And I've got to make a decision which kingdom is going to control my life. And there is no way to mix the two kingdoms. How much mud would I have to put in this glass, this bottle of water, for you to decide... Do I need an amount of mud equal to the amount of water? I don't know about you, but a speck of dirt and I'm done. Unless I'm dying of thirst, a speck of dirt, I'm finished. You can have it. How much poison does it take from a venomous snake? You got to like sit there and, you know, chug down a... Bottle of it? No, just just a dropper. Isn't it amazing how all those things in life, it only takes a little bit? But yet somehow we think we can allow just a little bit of the poisons of the world into our lives and it's okay? There is a large field of, which, of action which pursue principle and thought over which infidelity, sin, paganism, the world as such have the entire... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I need to move on. Here, the prohibition of the New Testament is absolute and entire. Christians are not to mingle with the people of the world in these things and are not to partake of them. This prohibition, it is supposed, extends to the following among other things. And you will see I'm on number four of three. I know that's small, but I strongly encourage you to get these notes and read through some of this yourself. I am reading, okay? I am reading. Just make sure you know I'm reading. The amusements and pleasures that are entirely worldly and sinful in their nature, that are wholly under worldly influence, these are things that should be prohibited, and which cannot be brought under Christian principles. Nearly all amusements are of this description. The true principle here seems to be that if a Christian in such a place is expected to lay aside his Christian principles, and if it would be deemed indecorous, and improper for him to introduce the subject of religion, or if religion would be regarded as entirely inconsistent with the nature of the amusement, then he is not to be found there. The world reigns there. And if the principles of his Lord and Master would be excluded, he should not be there. This applies, of course, I'm reading, I'm reading. This applies, of course, to the theater, the circus, the ballroom, and to large and splendid parties of pleasure. We are not to... One more time, I'm not trying to be smart-elky here. This, this is not anybody UPC. 
We are not, or this isn't anybody from Antioch that wrote this. We are not to associate with idolaters in their idolatry. Nor with the licentious in their licentiousness. Nor with the infidel in his infidelity. Nor with the proud in their pride. Nor with the frivolous in their gaiety. Nor with the friends of the theater or the ballroom or the circus in their attachment to these places and pursuits. And whatever other connections we are to have with them as neighbors, citizens, or members of our families, we are not to participate with them in these things. Thus far, all seems to be clear, and the rule is plain on whether it applies to marriage, business, religion, or pleasure. There is a large field of action, thought, and plan, which may be said to be common with the Christian in the world. That is where the Christian is not expected to abandon his own principles and where there will be or need be no compromise of the sternest views of truth or the most upright, serious, and holy conduct. He may carry his principles with him, may always manifest them if necessary, and may even commend them to others. Meaning there are places we interact with the world. There are acceptable places we interact with the world. But in those places, I don't compromise who or what I am. I don't have to change who I am. And I can be true to who I am and who the Word of God says I'm supposed to be. If I'm in a setting and I can't be true to that, I don't belong there. A few of these things may be referred to, again, I've skipped a bunch of the commentary here, in doing good to others. So the Savior was with sinners. So He ate and drank and conversed with them. So we may mingle with them without partaking of their wicked feelings and plans. I I, I go three mornings a week on average. Hang out with the same group of guys playing racquetball. They do other stuff out. I've been invited to other activities. I can go play racquetball three mornings a week and not compromise who I am. The other stuff they're inviting me to go do, I would compromise who I am. So I gotta know how far I can go. In all the situations here referred to and in all the duties growing out of them, the Christian may maintain his principles and may preserve a good conscience. Indeed, the Savior evidently contemplated that his people would have such contact with the world and that in it they would do good. But in none of these is there to be any compromise of principle. In none to be any yielding to the opinions and practices that are contrary to the laws of God. We, we somehow get this chip on our shoulder that we're owed something because of all the things we don't do. I, I spent last Sunday night and tonight bragging on this awesome group of young people, but I have no sympathy for them because there's certain things they can't do. Or shouldn't do. I don't feel sorry for them. In fact, quite the opposite. I'm happy that they have been privileged to be a part of something that has invited them to something bigger and greater. I wasn't, 
I wasn't mistreated as a child and a teenager because there were principles that, that governed our house and how I lived and what I... I wasn't some poor, pathetic little Pentecostal. See, what, what, and I, again, I'm not going to get there tonight, but, 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 but Paul wasn't saying don't be unequally yoked and come out and be separate and be secluded and isolated. What he was saying was, come out from so you can enter into. Come out and separate from this so that God will dwell in you and you can be His child. It's really easy if we're not careful. We get caught up on what we're coming out from or giving up and forget about what we're getting. I don't know about you, but there ain't, there ain't no price, sorry for the grammar, but there ain't no price that I've ever paid that God did not exceeding abundantly give back to me so much greater for whatever it was I gave up or sacrificed. I'm sorry, if you parents give that attitude to your kids, you're, you're sorry for them because they've been privileged to come out of darkness into light. I'm sorry for you because you, you, you were called out of that. What? He said, what concord, verse 15, what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? The word Belial is of Hebrew origin. Origin, sorry. It means worthlessness. Belial as an epitaph of Satan. So typically we think of Belial and Satan. That's what the, but the, the, the Hebrew word also means this. Without profit, worthlessness. By extension, destruction, wickedness. What, what business does that which has been called out have with linking up with things that are worthless or that produce destruction. It's so funny to me all the things I've missed out on in my life. So many things I've missed out on in my life that produce all kind of negative. Negative. It really amazes me. You know, there's some things, you know, you, you need some Bible for to prove some. There's other things that, that I mean... Doesn't take much. You can just you just look at the effects, and you're, and you're telling me I'm missing out. I'm cheated. What concord? What connection? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Adam Clark says this: Nothing could appear more abominable to a Jew than an idol in the temple of God. Here then could be no agreement. The worship of the two is wholly incompatible. An idolater never worships the true God. A Christian never worships an idol. If you join in idolatrous rites, it is impossible that you should be Christians. You are the temple of the living God. God intends to make the heart of every believer His own house. You come to my house... You may like the way it's decorated, you may not. You may not, you may like the gray painted walls, you may think gray walls is the worst thing you've ever seen. 
You may not like the yellow walls in my living room and dining room. You may not like the bright green paint in my sunroom. Oh, well. You come, you go. I live there. My wife does most of the picking of colors and decor, but I am in whole agreement with all of it, fine with it. She picks it, I paint it. May not be your toy. I may come to your house and, and I may. So what? It's your house. Who owns the house determines what it looks like. Who owns the ha- who owns the house has the right to determine what's in it. You see, you you can live someplace and not have the right to do whatever you want to. That's that's called being a renter or leasing. Some of us want God to be a renter. I want you to live here. I want the benefit of you living here. But I'm not giving control to you. Don't paint the walls. Don't do this and that, but but I, I do want you to live here. That That's not what he's interested in. He's not interested in being a renter. He's interested in buying. In fact, he already bought it. It's just a matter of if you're going to give him the right to... I will dwell in them and walk in them. These... The words are very emphatic. I will inhabit in them. I will not be as a wayfaring man who turns aside to tarry as for a night, but I will take up my constant residence with them. I will dwell in and among them. I'm not just going to pass by and, and just stop for a moment at your house. I'm, I want to stay there. I will be their God. They shall lead, They shall have no other God. They shall have... None besides me. And if they take me for their God, I will be to them all that an infinite, eternal, and self-sufficient being can be to his intelligent offspring. I know you're probably on overload, but your spirit's not. So I will be to them all that an infinite, eternal, and self-sufficient being can be to his intelligent if they will let me live in them and occupy them and be in charge and be in control I'm going to be to them everything I can possibly be they shall be my people if they take me for their God their supreme and eternal good I will take them for my people and instruct, enlighten, defend provide for, support and bless them as if I had none else to care for in the creation. I'll make you the focal point, as if I didn't have to. One of the, to me, one of the biggest challenges of having multiple children is trying to give every kid the attention they need. Oh, my goodness. Because each one of them needs individual attention. And I am a human being with finite ability. I can't give four kids all the individual attention they need. So in all honesty, I can't quite comprehend how a God can give, what are we at now? Seven? Six or seven billion? Seven? 
how he can give 7 billion people individual, undivided attention as if there was nobody else. You may be able to comprehend that. I can't comprehend that. But I do believe it. I believe that while we are a body, I preached about that lately, while we are a body and what we do matters, God doesn't just look down tonight at a body, but God looks down at individuals. So if you'll let me dwell in you and be at home in you, I'll make you my people and I'll, I'll give you individual attention. This comes from Warren Wearsby's expository outlines. He says this, the problem in the Corinthian church, the problems in the Corinthian church were spiritual. The members, the members, somebody say the members, the members of the Corinthian church were living like worldly people and not like Christians. See, sometimes we look around at our faults and failures that we can see here and question what's wrong with us. Nothing. You, you read some of the stuff that went on in the New Testament church that Paul addressed. I mean, we, we're, we're not so bad, actually. There was compromise with sin. Paul presents two major arguments for separation from the world. The first argument that I'm not going to get to the other one. The other one is the argument... To what you're getting, the promise. But the first argument, the argument from principle is this. It is a basic principle of life that opposites cannot fellowship together. The unequal yoke takes us back to Moses' admonition in Leviticus 19.19. These Corinthians were yoking themselves with unbelievers in marriage, business life, and other ways, and were losing their testimonies for Christ. After all, if Christians live like the world, how can they witness to the world? You mean to tell me that the sincere, hungry-hearted individual doesn't look at people that profess to be Christians and everything they can see is just like them and something inside of them say, this something's wrong. Note the series of contrasts here. Righteousness, unrighteousness, light, darkness. Christ, Belial, an Old Testament name for Satan. Believer, unbeliever, or infidel. Temple of God, idols, the attitude of too many Christians today. This was written in the, in the, about the 80s. This was written about the early 80s. The attitude of too many Christians today is that the church should court and please the world in order to try to win it. Nothing could be further from the truth. There must be separation from sin. It blows my mind that 30 years ago he could be saying that when we see where we are today. And so we've got churches that their entire service is made to look like a concert and it's made to look like some other setting that the believer is comfortable or the unbeliever is used to. We are not bringing people into a setting to make them comfortable with what they're used to. We're trying to bring them into something different so that there is a contrast between light and darkness. 
I don't have time to get into it tonight, but you know me well enough, hopefully by now, to know I'm not talking about self-righteous, stuck-up, proud, proudful attitudes. That's not what I'm talking about. Because you can't truly be a Christian and then have that. This does not mean isolation, retreating from the world. It does not mean keeping ourselves from the defilement of the world. It is fine. This is, this is awesome. I love this. It is fine for the ship to be in the water. But when the water gets into the ship, look out. That was really good. Really good enough. I'll read it again. It's fine for the ship to be in the water, but when the water gets in the ship, look out. Paul cites Leviticus 26, 11 and 12 to show that God lives and walks in the believer so that his relationship to the world affects his fellowship with God. We are a soul-saving station. <laughs> we are the good old gospel ship. Y'all have no idea what that is. Too bad. You ought to know. I'm about to break out in song. Hallelujah. We're not supposed to, we're not supposed to be in the dry dock. We're supposed to be out there in the water, but not taking on the water. You gotta go to work. You gotta go to the mall. You gotta go to the restaurant. You gotta go to public places. We're not, I, 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 I say it, I say it, I'm gonna say it again now and in the future. We're not by, we're not gonna erect 12 foot high, 6 foot thick walls around the perimeter of this property and all move in here. That is not what we're called to do. I, I, I preached it to you two Sunday nights ago. Jesus, Jesus prayer. I don't want you to take them out of the world. I just don't, I don't want you to, I want you to help them not to let the world get in them. We gotta go in the world, but we don't need the world going in us. A fireman doesn't go in a house and hang out with the people inside of a burning house. He goes in to rescue the perishing and get out. We want to go hang out in the world and fellowship with the world and do what the world does. I, I know, I know it's, I know I already said, I'm sorry, but I know it's Thursday night and I know some of y'all are sitting there, oh, who are you talking to? Go out and rescue, but don't let, don't let it get on you while you're there. You don't have to start talking like them. You don't start have to act like them, dress like them. Look, you don't have to do, go in and get out. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to offend anybody here watching or in the future. I, I, I have no ever intent, but I, one of the, one of the neatest experiences in my life is the time that I've been on vacation in different places, and you look and you go, there's a Pentecostal. <laughs> and there have been times I've done it. I've walked up and I've asked the question, the real obvious question, are you a Pentecostal? Yep. And vice versa. Just a couple years ago in New Orleans, walking down the street with my girls, and this guy, I think he was half drunk. Oh, well. 
What I forget the second thing he said. If I'm not mistaken, he actually didn't just say Pentecostal. He said UPC or Mennonite or something like that. I... I'm not going to start calling names, but I don't think most folks, brand X, brand Y, brand Z, hey, are you, come out and be separate. Show a difference. Quickly. I missed the reference. 1 Corinthians 8. Take heed lest by any means this liberty... I'm not going to get to that tonight. I'm, let me skip on. Verse 17, i got to quit. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Come out from among them, and what? Be separate. The word separate means this. To mark off from others by boundaries. To limit, to separate It means to set off by boundary, figuratively limit, exclude, appoint, etc. Come out and be separate. Set apart by boundaries. I I preached it years ago the first time, and I preached it many times since. There is a spirit in our age that is blurring all boundaries. And the most sort of blatant, obvious way it's kind of getting manifested now is there's, there's, it's no more male and female bathrooms. You now got bathrooms that there are no boundaries. You go where you want you. And so what, what, what do we battle with? Our boundaries. What do you ladies battle with? The boundaries. What are the guys? The boundaries. It's not legalism. Not old fashioned. It's not an organization. It's the fact the Word of God tells us we need some separation. We need some boundaries. And the bottom line, one of the primary reasons I have boundaries is to protect me. I appreciate the boundaries at the zoo. I have never felt confined or restricted at the zoo. I was standing there one time in the reptile house. I think I was looking at that big old huge python. My hands were on the rail about this high, and some little kid whose nose was about the same height as the rail came up and just accidentally breathed on my hand. I promise you, don't want to offend anybody, but at that moment, white men could jump. I could have dunked a basketball standing underneath the hoop without anything that point it's no wonder it's no wonder it's no wonder the enemy constantly attacks the boundaries and the borders in our lives and wants us to take them down because he knows the only way to get to you is for the boundaries to come down. Otherwise, he's got no chance. 
I got a whole lot more. Last point I'll make tonight and I'm going to quit. He says, touch not. Touch. Come out from among them be severed and touch. He didn't say don't hold, don't do. He said don't touch. Don't touch. The word touch there means to attach oneself to, i.e. to touch in many implied relations. It is a primary verb properly to fasten, i.e., anybody ever heard this before? To set on fire. It's connected to the same word where Paul says it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Light a fire. Eve started by looking. Started with looking. But you know what? It's kind of hard for me to eat something I'm not touching. I mean, if that's where the mounds are sitting and I'm here, we're good. But once I got them in hand, there's no more lead me not into temptation. I'm in it. So he said, don't, don't, don't touch it. See, we want to know how, how much we can handle it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna partake of it. I'm just gonna handle it. Paul said, don't, don't, don't even touch it. Because as long as you're not touching it, you can't partake of it. But when you touch it, you're going to start a fire. A fire you can't control. Maybe I will finish with this, ties into this point. James at Fawson Brown says, to not touch, rather any unclean thing. Touching is more polluting as implying participation than seeing. Two slides and I'm done. It is not plain from this and the following verse that God would be their God only on the ground of their taking Him for such. He wasn't going to be their God just because they accepted Him as their Savior. And that this depended on their being separated from the works and workers of iniquity. For God could not inhabit in them if they had concord with Belial, a portion with infidels, etc., Those who will have the promises of God fulfilled to them must come under the conditions of these promises. If they are not separate, if they touch the unclean thing, God will not receive them and therefore will not be their God, nor shall they be His people. If you're going to get the promises, you got to meet the conditions of the promise. Brother Wright, that, that's kind of elitist, don't you think? That's kind of, you know, you're isolating, you're setting yourself up. Again, what a great tactic of the enemy. The, the devil would much rather be fighting you and you not know he's fighting you. And when he's all out in front of your face, that means he's getting desperate. How awesome is it for the devil to get the church to buy into the lie? It doesn't matter. Make it easier. Make it cheaper. What a great tactic. How sad it is when we as believers then allow that to influence us and what we believe. You to stand, please. I said it at the beginning. If I've come across any other way, I 
I apologize, but I am I'm burdened that we do not allow ourselves to be influenced by the modern thinking of this world, and I mean more so Christianity than the world. That we cheapen the price, that we try to make it easier than it's supposed to be, that we try to lessen what is expected to try to appeal to the world. Again, as I've already said, the honest, sincere, hungry person knows the difference. And I wonder how many people out there tonight are so disillusioned because all they've ever been exposed to is a Christianity that's not separate. People who profess Christianity but are no different than they are. So what's the use? But I believe there is a group of people around the world that have bought in and are going to stand for the Word of God and not allow the spirits and the ideology of the present world to influence them and cause them to compromise what it is they believe. Father, help us tonight. You've given us as a church, in addition to what we've read in your word tonight, such great promises. But they are conditional. They're conditional upon our participation, our bringing ourselves in alignment with you, with your word, the principles of your word. Lord, the enemy is trying to attack the church today and trying to get us to compromise and lessen and change and be become friends with, partners with the world. But you've called us out of that. Not only have you called us out of that, but you've invited us into something greater. I pray that you would help every individual in this place tonight, every individual that's a part of this church, to be able, God, to have the discernment that is needed to tune into your voice. That God, in the middle of all the other voices that may be screaming into our lives, that we would be able to hear your voice and follow your voice. Help us tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. One more thing, those of you that are involved in campus ministry, if you would please make your way to the conference room as quickly as possible. Um, I will be there in just a moment, and we'll only try to keep you for a few moments. God bless you. Pray that you have a blessed remainder of your week in Jesus' name.